the Finley Toyota Studio, it's Cofield and Company. Working left to right, Stidham's out of the gun, he's got Kenyon Drake off his hip. Snap, plenty of protection, looking over the middle, pocket collapses, he takes off to the goal line! Touchdown, Stidham! Mullins out of the gun, pressure off the edge, throws it across the middle, it's caught at the 20, racing near sideline 10, turn of the 5, 6 easy, touchdown Raiders! The crowd applauds because Las Vegas just win, baby. 2-0 in the preseason. It's time for Cofield and Company with Steve Cofield on ESPN Las Vegas. Willie Ramirez is the company. Ari's running the show here in the Finley Toyota Studios. Busy Tuesday on the way. A lot of news and notes. Good news about hometown heroes. Not so good news about hometown heroes. A lot of WNBA talk today. No, stick with us. It's really good stuff. We got Aces playoffs coming up tomorrow. We've got running Rebel basketball coming up tonight. They're on a three-game tour in Canada. So John and Curtis Sandler and Terry will be up tonight at six forty-five. Shortly after Cofield and Company. Let's get to it. It's the three on Cofield and Company. Rapid fire coming out of the gates with some news and notes. Uh, a couple of Raiders cuts are in, Willie. Demarcus Robinson cut, hmm. which means that he could not beat out Mac Hollins or Keelan Cole. And Tyron Johnson is still around. So you got some Raiders news there. Bad news with a hometown hero. Poor Javen White. A UNLV football great on some of those Sanchez teams that weren't that great. But he stood out big time. He tore his ACL. He was with the Bears, so torn ACL. But we'll flip it back to some good news. Uh, sort of hometown hero playing his AAA ball here in Las Vegas. Shay Langoliers, I don't want to butcher his name, top catching prospect of the A's, gets the call up. So that's really cool. So he'll get, you know, what, what are we looking at now? Seven, six, five weeks in the majors. So. Yeah. A lot of stuff happened locally with transactions. What's going on with you? Well, since we're making the, I thought you were going to stick with the Raiders, but since we are making the rounds with the with locals, today the Associated Press released their WN its WNBA awards. Okay, local. Sam Thomas has been named to the AP All Rookie Team in the WNBA. Nice. She'll be here from Phoenix Mercury from Arizona from? and. The Centennial High School okay. Wildcats. Got to make sure people know about the high school. State champion from Centennial Salmon. I mean, I've talked about her many times. I wrote about her. Great, great person. She's won more hearts over in Tucson. And so it was a real cool thing that she was able to stay there. So more aces coming up in five minutes. Yep. It's Willie from the AP. He covers the aces. He's going to be out there for all these playoff games. For as long as this lasts, and when you're the number one seed, it should last a long, long time, but we know the season was a bit uneven. But I want to start out with the Raiders, because there is that cross-section with the Raiders and the Aces. MD, Mark Davis, owns both teams. So Mark had the challenge on Sunday of watching both of his teams, right? Aces start at noon. Raiders kick off at 125 against the Vikings this past Sunday. He made both games. Do we know what did uh, did MD stay all the way through the Aces game, or did he leave in time to get to the Raiders game? Oh, I'm almost positive he stayed. I don't know, but I'm almost positive he stayed for the entire Aces game because if he didn't, as quick as everybody was to uh, 
tweet out pictures, whether they were at Mandalay Bay or not, by the way. Um, you can have sources. I could send you a picture somewhere. You don't have to be everywhere. I would credit you. You would. You're right. Um, but as quick as everyone was to tweet out that him and Darren Waller were there, I think if they would have left, they would have said. Right. So, you know. So, wait. So, the owner was watching both of his teams on Sunday. The tight end for the Raiders went to the Aces game. Got to support his lady. What are you talking about? That's not a story. <laughs> I, to be I honest mentioned with, it yesterday. I'm like, to be honest and, and Von Tobel was like, hey, you know what? People don't want their private lives out there. I mean, if the Raiders are allowing Darren Waller to go watch the game, want, you would you would think it's, hey, you know what? I'm with Kelsey Plum. I want to see her play. I guess my – did you find it weird at all that Waller wasn't with his teammates? Or was he in the pregame? No, he wasn't. He, he wasn't in the, okay. in the stadium. I guess. And you think so all he, his, team, his teammates are all cool with it because in the end, this is either an injury or it's a hold in and he's, you know, waiting for his new deal. Right. So if you're a teammate, you're like, hey, bro, do what you want because, uh, you, you know, this is not Fernando Tatis where everyone on his team is not everyone. A lot of guys on the Padres are now coming, you know, hard at Tatis with Waller. I wouldn't go hard at Waller because you could be in that position a couple of years from now needing a contract and you're like, hey, I want to hold in. I honestly don't think. You know, if he came over at half, or if he came over when the game was over, the game ended just before halftime. Because obviously we were paying attention. You know, you can see the tweets. You can see what's going on. I had the live score box up, just, you know, keeping an eye on it. If he made it over, and you got to remember, these guys don't park where the general public parks. They park on the opposite end of the arena, opposite side of the arena from where the parking garage is. They go out the back. Mark Davis has his. I mean, when we went to down, when I went downstairs to hit the uh, the press conference or going to the locker room, Mark Davis's car, his private car, where it sits outside the locker room and the and the media interview room was right there. Doesn't it feel like Elon Musk should have a special MD tunnel? Can the Boring Company work on that next? Just a tunnel from Mandalay Arena, the MUA, McCulture Arena, right over to Raider Stadium. Why can't we have a little tunnel? Why can't you and I have a? Why can't we have that? We the, need tunnel. The, we you need actually, tunnels. actually, I don't. We need media you cover tunnels. everything. You need a Willie Ramirez a, memorial tunnel system a, 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 a that, tunnel. Hits, that hits all of the key spots <laughs> in town. Although you know what? Eventually, here's the problem: they're gonna have this. They're gonna have to bore a tunnel all the way down to Raiders headquarters, then somewhere back up along LV Boulevard where there could be a basketball arena. So I just uh, and then all one all the way out to the Speedway. You yeah. cover the races. The whole tunnel system is for Willie. You deserve it. Uh, I, I'm with it. He doesn't even doesn't even turn it down. Sure, why not? Let's do it. Either that, or we go Jetsons and get me something that could fly. A little flying mobile. Maybe there's something 10, 15 years from now. You could go with the driverless cars. I'm still not feeling real good about those things. No, I'm good. I'm, You're I'm, good. With, no, you you want to drive? Yeah. If the car's moving, Willie's driving. Yeah. Yeah, we've yeah, no. I, I, I wanna drive. I wanna make sure that I'm accelerating to change lanes. I wanna make sure that things are going properly on the freeway in this town especially. Whether you know, whether there's more Well you already talked about yeah, you so, drive defensively by driving offensively. Right. So I wanna be in control of my vehicle. Yes. Yeah. I'm with you on that. So one. I don't know if Darren was in charge of his vehicle on Sunday. I know Mark wasn't. He because he has a driver. And ultimately, I don't think, honestly, I really do deep down don't think that the Raiders don't care. Hmm. 
I think that they played in the Hall of Fame game. They came back. Hey, do what you got to do, bro. If it's a hold-in, so be it. Do what you got to do. We have jobs to do over here. They're taking offense. You really think that they're taking offense that he didn't come over there for the first half to watch an exhibition game in which none of the starters played? I mean, I hear people ridiculing him for doing this, but then saying that Derek Carr doesn't even need to be with the team. He could just he could stay back here when they travel to be safe. No accidents, no nothing. Him, Devontae, everybody stay in Las Vegas. If you're not playing, stay here. What's so, the difference? So the Aces kick off the playoffs. That's tomorrow. Aces Mercury, that's the one eight. Chicago, New York, two seven. Connecticut, Dallas, 3-6. Seattle and the Mystics. Ooh, that one's going to be a bear from a travel standpoint. That's the 4-5. We'll get you the odds here in a second. Very cool honor. You just mentioned the all-rookie team Yeah. for the WNBA. Did you see Ruffles? Potato Chips has signed its first-ever female athlete. I think I'm down with this. Smoky Barbecue Ridge Twist. Say it with me. I'm not going to say it again. Uh, Asia Wilson. She talked about it today on the Zoom. Is that right? She did. How fired up is she? She was. It was cool. Someone asked her about it, and she they asked if she was able to make her own flavor, and she was. Oh, really? She chose the yes. It was her decision. Um, that was what she chose, and um, she also said that she will not be sharing with her teammates. She said they can fend for themselves. She's probably got like a, a whole box of bags. She's got to give everyone She doesn't have to give anybody. Chips. No, she said, she said they, bag of I don't, I, they don't come walking in the locker room for nothing with nothing for me. So I'm not hooking them up. She said, nah, maybe I'll give them a little taste. Do you think if she pours out a bowl in the VIP area, will Mark Davis go right for the Ridge Twist? Instead of the that, prime rib carving station. I think that he As will, we know he does now for the mini hot dogs. I think that Allegedly. He, he will demand. We don't want to get sued. I think that he will demand his own bag so he can bring it out on the court. Sit courtside with the bag with Asia on the cover. Or did, on they, the, did they finish up 11-3 and three down the stretch, wasn't it? 12-2. and two, Then in the middle of the season, bit of a swoon, 11-3. and three. Trust me on it. Trust me on it. Okay. Did he wear, did MD wear the white jacket? Every time. Never read. I mean, this black. is Louis Carnesecca, isn't it? Remember that name? Sure. I think most with the fancy sweaters. A lot of people younger than us have no idea. Yeah, but it, was yeah. e- it was either Lou Carnesecca or Bill Cosby with the sweaters of the eighties. Well, let's stick with Louis. I'm just saying. Let's get away from. Cos. Not trying to. I'm saying those were the. Remember the. You're the, right. They were the. They were the big sweater guys. Yeah, yeah. Cosby more than Carnesecca. Carnesecca was probably mostly limited mm. to sports, but St. John's went on a winning streak. I think Walter Berry was on the team then. Maybe it was a Chris Mullen team. I'm not sure. Mark Jackson. I don't know what year it was. I can't remember. Could have been 83, 84, 85, but he he kept wearing the lucky Cosby-like sweater. Yeah. That was back then. Yeah, Mark Davis. I don't think that that's why they're winning. The white, or does he have, see here, if anyone asks me sometime, they're like, man, you wear a black shirt every day. Yeah, because I'm fat and it's slightly slimming. It's not really. Um, my God, do you change a shirt? Yeah, I have like 22 of these same black shirts. Right. I like them and I just wear it every day. Do you think he has like five white jackets? Yeah, I think he's, he's probably like uh, Mickey Rourke in nine and a half weeks. Where his closet's just identical. Remember he had when and then Kim Basinger went to, goes and looks and investigates while he's gone and he calls her a nosy Parker, but she's poking around and she sees like everything's identical. He's got X amount of shirts, X amount of sh- slacks, X amount, everything's the same. 
I think that he probably has X amount of Don Johnson, Miami Vice, white jackets. Can you ask him next time you see him? I absolutely. That's insight we want to know about. I don't think we're going to find out about the mini hot dogs over the prime rib. I think I might even tomorrow night. I will try to get a sound bite. Please. Next time I'm on. That would be a hell of a feature. I don't think no I'm one, on no the rest. one really wears the white jacket anymore. I don't he think I'm on it. the rest of the week, but it might be a topic on Throw the Flag, maybe, but I'll send you the bite to Ooh. use this week if you like. Why, that's that's a good tease for Cofield and Company. Willie's only booked for one show this week. I'm going to go talk to Mark Davis. I'm going to get the scoop on the white jacket. Maybe it'll be on Friday, but for sure it'll be on Throw the Flag. My show, Willie Ramirez, me, my show on Saturday. Join the conversation on Twitter at ESPN Las Vegas. There's different reasons for what we did, and we have more time still. I think we allow these opportunities to be determined by what we see and how they perform in practice. I mean, there's some guys that maybe didn't start tonight for one reason or another that will be starting on opening day. The competition is real. It's ongoing, and I think it's the healthiest thing we have going for us in the locker room because it makes everyone better. And so they come in with a great attitude and a great approach, and I think it's made our team better. Now, back to Coalfield and Company in the Finley Toyota Studio. Studio. Raiders with cuts today. They got to get down to uh, 85. Uh, biggest name on the list is wide receiver Demarcus Robinson, the former Kansas City Chief. You hear Josh McDaniels on the way back. These preseason games are fascinating for who's playing, who's not playing, who's getting reps, who's not getting reps, and where guys are playing. And Willie was all about the offensive line. This show loves the big uglies. We do, even if they're handsome. We don't care. They're they're big uglies. And You've been tracking what's been going on with the offensive line through the first two preseason games. I saw Vinny over on Raider Nation Radio 920 give you some props today oh, on social media. Oh, yeah, yes. So what did you find out here through two games? Who's doing the best job and who is uh, maybe a weak link? Well, it's it's a matter, It's more so looking at the rotations they've used, in through, they've used through 20 possessions. They've used 14 offensive linemen, 13 rotations, and within those 13 rotations – Several of the of the players have played on either the left side and the right side. Some have all alternated in at center. I think the only thing that we are sure of is that Colt Miller is going to be the left tackle. John Simpson should be the left guard. Andre James should be the center. Those latter two, they appear to have firm grips on their job. Colt Miller, I think, has his locked up. Um, that would leave McDaniels and Carmen Brasillo to sort of sift through 11 linemen to shore up the right side of the line because, well, last year, the right side combined allowed a league-high 124 pressures. Just the right guard and right tackle. That was a league-high. So to strengthen that in, in what's supposed to be a big year with a running back room that it has, with Derek Carr having his, his guy here, and, you know, Hunter Renfro and... We assume Darren Waller back. Um, it, it, it is important. Um, what I narrowed it down to is the who on the field most when Raiders quarterbacks ended up on their backs were Alex Bars, Lester Cotton Sr., Jermaine M. Luminor, and Thayer Munford. Each time, or each five times. So when they're on the field, five sacks were allowed. Now that doesn't necessarily mean that they're, they're being held accountable for the sacks, Bars and Illuminor were are the only two of the four whose opposing defensive linemen registered the sack. Brandon Parker, who was expected to start, now out with the torn triceps, 
reportedly, uh, was on the field for three sacks in the Hall of Fame game. All three came from the players he was lined up against. So, I mean, if you want to narrow down who actually allowed his guy to get in and register the sack, it falls on Brandon Parker. But the the, the listeners can't see this, but Steve, if you look, this, I mean... I I've lost I've lost track of these these charts. I have to double check to see what I've done. There's but nothing it, better than the old scribes. Yes, and their notebooks. Yes, the Steno notebook. I mean, list, literally writing each number. If you look, it has possession one through twelve, one through eight from each game. The numbers across left right. So, um, and what made me do it was I was trying to find an angle. It's very hard for to find a post game angle after preseason when you're not a date. You know, you're not with the daily. You're, you're with the Associated Press. It's going off the wire. And I was thinking, well, the that's all we're talking about up here is the rotations. Can we keep up with it? So I wanted to go home, and I literally that night I broke down the film for that game. Just watched every offensive play for that game, and then. Early this morning, I broke down the <laughs> Hall of Fame game and registered all the stats for that. That's awesome! And sat there and charted. So combined, my God, yeah. if so, I if I took that notebook during a break and and hit it on Willie, yeah, would you freak the blank out after no, because, all that work you did? No, because Have you the transcribed story's, it on a computer. Are you the story's the written. <laughs> Can I tell you an old story? Uh, you remember the sports pig, right? So uh, I did shows with Pig for a, for a long time, back into the 90s. And we used to bust on Pig because he was like a big – I don't think it was Stratomatic, but he was a big nerd with baseball numbers. And he had a he had a, one of those uh, loose-leaf pads. Is that right? That, I yeah. guess that's not the word. Spiral pads. Spiral, spiral pads. Loose-leaf's different. Spiral pads. And we had no idea what was in it, but it was all like baseball stats. Right? And I'm not going to say yeah, maybe I did the same thing as a kid because I was a, a math nerd and a baseball fan. But we used to bust his chops all the time about it. I blank you not, he lost it one time during a show. I thought he was going to cry. Like, oh. he, I thought he was, and he was like, he was a hard-edged guy. He could be a little bit mean on the air. So to see him, like, almost break down because he lost his stats notebook. Oh, man. So Willie with his, with his, his pad here, yeah. 77, 79, all the numbers. Yeah, all Good the numbers. You, and, 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 and to the right of it, it's, you know, it's each position. There was, if you, if you looked at the, the, the tweet that I sent out, I sent out a thread. I think it was that night. And um, I actually DM'd to Sean Reed from The Athletic because – this dude keeps track of stuff, man. He's impressive at the, like he he does the roll call. He can pinpoint stuff. So I so I had asked him after the game. Hey, I said, hey, did you happen to keep how many rotations and how many? Like, he goes, I lost count at a certain point. I'd have to. So I DM'd him. I was like, man, I am. I came home. I had to do it. It was bugging me. It was it was really it was just bugging me because the story was already filed. It was just bugging me that it was going through my ass. Okay, now I really want to go see. How many? And so I so I did it. And there's a thread where I pointed out. I even did one of the in the thread. I put periods for possession. So if they didn't get in that possession, there's a period. But then you you could follow the dots of the eight possessions and then where they went in at L G right G C whatever. So are you angling for a job like a Rob Ryan like job? He's a senior defensive assistant. Could you be the senior offensive line assistant? No. Why not? You're not really a technique guy. You're more of a numbers guy. You're more of an analytics guy with an. I don't stats. Uh, well, I wasn't that good of a Pop Warner coach. I don't think I can handle the NFL. I could go in and do. Something. I don't think I can handle. Well, could, you're you're being pretty humble. I could be. I, I could, don't think I, I can handle the NFL. I could scout. Well, I would hope not. Willie. I could scout and run some numbers and and run it down to McDaniel's. And be like, hey, uh, you know, when this guy's in, when that guy's in, but 
So I saw features written on Thayer Munford. His story is very interesting. He's had some mental health battles. Fantastic. Um, last story. week, we, yeah. you know, I didn't ask the question, but the media yeah. had talked to him about uh, a proposal he did at Disney World mm. that he was really nervous, maybe more nervous than when he plays at times. But he also he's had nerves and issues going back to Ohio State. So the feature was on the ascent of Thayer Munford. Is this real? A seventh round pick of the Raiders? Well, could, I, could he is he actually making? Enough noise. I think Josh McDaniels summed it up in his comments in just saying that, you know, what he said yesterday, I don't think this is unique at all. Hmm. It's normal. There's too much to be gained in training camp for you to forego the opportunity to work with different groupings. If you put five guys together, and that's the only five guys, guys, they practice besides... You're doing them a disservice so because it's not realistic. So I don't know that this necessarily means Munford is a candidate to be, you know, a two or three at right tackle, but at least he's getting a shot. And but it also shows the uncertainty at right tackle with well, Parker, with Parker injured, with you know the struggles of well, Leatherwood. Like I'm not, I don't, I'm not going to say right tackle is up for grabs, but they may have to use multiple right tackles this season. And could a, seventh, could a seventh round pick yes. be in there? Yes, because the, uh, really? the the follow up quote he said, you know, that someone asked about how Carmen Brasillo is handling this. There was, and he said he's used to coaching the entire group as one unit. That's really what we're trying to harp on offensively is whether it's the five offensive linemen or it's the 11 guys on the field together, we have to be able to work with one another regardless of who they are. They're never going to be the same guys for the entire year or even an entire game. He said that. So he's he's painting the picture for you that it's never going to be the same anyway. Don't worry about who's starting. It's almost like a basketball team that can go seven deep. You got your starting five, but you know what? Six and seven might get more playing time than some others. It, I would like McDaniels to answer that way. Don't worry about it. Why not? Sure. I like you're right. Say it emphatically. Right. Not, we're not, not going not, to have five key. to play all year. It's going to be a rotation of eight or nine guys. And then follow up with, don't worry about yeah, it. Don't worry about it. Right, giveaway time. Three, six, four, eleven hundred. Let's dial it down. Let's be kind here. No <laughs> conflict Tuesday. Friday, November 4th, Jeff Beck is in town. Tickets aren't on sale until this Friday, 10 a.m. You can grab them at Ticketmaster.com, but we've got Win them before you can buy them. Jeff Peck tickets, the Pearl at the Palms, Friday, November 4th. Caller 7364-1100-364-1100. Finley Toyota. They'll do anything to sell you a car. No Toyota problem is too tough, too large, or too small. Keep your Toyota running like a Toyota. Hamilton tries to drive, gets stopped. Spins back to the left, cross-court pass, McCabe open for a three. It's good. Jordan off a terrific pass from Bryce Hamilton. Now, back to Cofield and Company in the Finley Toyota Studio. 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 Running Rebel Basketball is back tonight. Exhibition tour, three games in Canada. Pre-game 645 this evening, 7 o'clock start. John Sandler on the call there. Curtis Terry also on the trip, and that was Jordan McCabe, who is back. Super Senior is back. He had a three in that game. He finished with five. That was a victory against Wyoming. And then, of course, the rematch in the Mountain West Conference Tournament didn't go as well. And that was one of those games. You heard Hamilton. Yeah, Bryce is gone. That was one of those games. And one of those teams that Bryce had a tough time against. Big, strong Wyoming team. He finished with 15. A lot of shots at the line, but went three of 15 from the floor. 
Who is going to take 15 shots in a game for the Rebels this year? It'll happen. It'll happen. I don't know what's going to happen on this road trip. I saw a really interesting question from uh, one of the content creators, a Reb for Life, 777, that was up on Twitter. How many Rebels do you think scored double digits in the first game in Canada? Okay, tough question to answer because I don't know the competition. So I don't know if this is going to be a game where the Rebels are going to run roughshod, score 80, 90 points. But this is actually an interesting discussion. I mean, we're way ahead of really knowing this team because I think their leading scorer is going to be Elijah Harkless, a transfer from Oklahoma. And he's not playing on this tour. Now, good thing when they did the open practice for the fans at Mendenhall on Saturday, Harkless was looking like he was closer to getting into action. He actually participated in some of the shooting drills. So that's good. Vicky Waco, also an Oklahoma transfer, 6'7", big man. He's coming back from getting that shoulder fixed. So he's not going to play in Canada either. But the list of players on this team are fascinating. Keyshawn Gilbert. Vegas guy who played some high school basketball in St. Louis. Had a really good freshman year, but mostly a defensive specialist. Luis Rodriguez, an Ole Miss transfer. David Mooka is back, big man. Isaiah Cottrell, hometown guy, back from West Virginia. He's part of the team. Justin Webster, second year with the program. Transfer from Hawaii. Keyshawn Hall is a big freshman. Jackie Johnson is a little guard from Duquesne. Eli Parquet is a transfer from Colorado. Can I give you my take on this real quick? Oh, yeah. I think this is going to be the kind of team that during the regular season is going to have a scoring balance that goes from like six points per game up to like 12 and a half. I don't know that they're going to have a 17 point or 16 point per game guy. There's certainly, it would be incredible if anyone could produce like Bryce Hamilton, who during Mountain West Conference play the last two years, Willie, averaged like 22.5 points per game. I don't think they have that guy, but I could be wrong. This is a team that is going to have to find its way offensively, and uh, the aggro guys, the alphas, will be discovered. And this is where it's, you know, this is why you're on this kind of trip. This is where it starts. Are you ready for my take? If it's lose, a good one. They're going to lose. If tonight. not, if not, you're going to get freaking smacked off the backboard. They're going to lose tonight. You just got pinned on the glass. I just, I just pinned you. I'm listening. They're going to lose tonight. I'm listening. You know they're playing. I do. I'm looking at their roster. Oh, you broke them down. I, I've already broken uh, down please, the film. Please do this. <laughs> Back to the film. Seven of their players. Oh boy. Seven of their fifteen players. By the way, their uniform numbers go in order, but there's no number five. Uh, seven of their players are six, seven, or bigger. This is plus, the University of British Columbia. Yeah, and plus, they don't have like listed like by class. They just put first, second, third, fourth, fifth. They got a lot of experience on this team. This team's played together for. They they mm, got interesting. some chemistry. Interesting, Willie. With the majority, firing the first shot of the basketball so, season. So without even the looking, upset, without even looking upset at alert, without even looking at stats, without even looking at game film, I'm just looking at rosters and experience. And this is a team. Now, the one thing that I'm looking at also, I look at the I looked up their stats. They go through 2019-20. So I'm wondering because of how stringent Canada was, did they play last year? 
did they have a season last year? So experienced, but dormant and well-rested. So now if that's the case, if they didn't play this, I didn't get to this page yet. Could have a lot of rust. I may have to back off. We're really breaking down UNLV against British Columbia. Absolutely. That's what we're here for. (laughs) We really weren't. It was just kind of a a primer based on what we saw in a few practices. They practiced 10 times. Uh, I'm familiar with the talent coming back. I'm familiar with the transfers coming in. I want the listeners to— Willie went right for the throat. They got to win this game. We are broadcasting this game on this channel. I want people to understand what the Rebels are up against. Just be ready. Just be prepared. Just be ready. There could so when be, you hear about it, when they go, and, when Sandler goes nuts on the refs, or when he goes nuts because the other team is getting, they're swatting balls, they're going to go, you know what? Willie Ramirez said, these guys, this is a big roster. Join the conversation on Twitter at Cofield and Co. <laughs> it's Cofield and Company's Las Vegas Raiders opponent preview. Let's break down the Raiders versus the Jaguars. All right, it's time to preview the Jaguars 2022 season. Wow, that guy's got a good voice. That might be Rick Ballou, actually, uh, on the vocals there on that metal ditty we just heard. Rick, of course, works for uh, 1010XL, has been longtime silent rally reporter uh, for all the Florida teams. Well, maybe not Tampa and Miami, but a, a legend in the area joins Cofield and Company here in Vegas. Rick, how are you? I'm doing great, guys. How are things? Can you sing? Can you sing heavy metal? Was that you? That was not me. That was not you. Uh, okay. All right. But I, I did play golf uh, Sunday with, uh, with Derek Trucks and had dinner with Susan Tedeschi and Derek Trucks uh, sat, uh, over the weekend as well. They're heading your way to, to Vegas. So Susan's one of the better singers. And nice. I actually had a guy send me that and some other stuff trying to say if, if you know, he'd come on stage with Tedeschi and Trucks. And I'm like, you know, who do you think I am? What type of request <laughs> was that? <laughs> you know what I mean? Well, let's start breaking down the Jaguars by uh, going a little bit back to last year in the offseason. First of all, did you like the hire of Doug Peterson? Yeah, I loved it. I didn't like the way it happened. I mean, he, the first two guys we interviewed was him and, and Jim Caldwell, and he was the guy that I liked all along. And then they went, you know, 30-plus days, and they brought in a bunch of different candidates, and yeah, Peterson kind of went away, and it was just a mess. Uh, you know, the the result was that Trent Bulky and the team, or Trent Bulky himself, wasn't even you know available to to go to the Senior Bowl all week to do some scouting because they still couldn't find a head coach. So, I think they ended up absolutely with the right guy, but it took, in my opinion, about a month too long to actually make the hire. What was the bizarro, almost like coup attempt by Byron Leftwich? Yeah, well, that too. I mean, it was, um, see, I happen to think around here, and, you know, there's not a tremendous amount of media pressure in Jacksonville. Uh, I think the fans don't get the credit they deserve, but people have agendas. And the reason why I didn't think Byron would be a good fit here was if this team starts to struggle, which it clearly has 10 out of the last 11 years, uh, people will go back to when Leftwich was a quarterback here, a first rounder, and he did some okay things, but it was all said and done. He didn't get the job done. So I thought it would have been too easy for the fans here to automatically go back to their previous opinion on uh, on Byron Leftwich. But, you know, he was a guy that many thought would be right for the job, including Bruce Arians. It just didn't work out that way. Uh, reportedly, you know, he did not see eye-to-eye, didn't want to come here. 
if Trent Baalke was still going to be on as a general manager. So compare, contrast, an Urban Meyer NFL camp and a Doug Peterson NFL camp. Boy, how long do you have? Uh, I mean, it's uh, literally night and day. And, you know, I'm going to be the first to admit it. Uh, I was fooled a year ago. Uh, Very few people will, will admit that now. But when a grown man looks at you and tells you face to face that he spent two years researching the NFL and that he had gone through such an exhaustive deep dive and every little component of putting together this franchise and you know, they were going to put up the standalone building and everything else as far as their training facility. It was hard not to believe them. Uh, it, was, it was a shame that it ended up being a lie. Uh, you know, with Doug Peterson, I, I think what you see is what you get. He, he's a better human being. He, he's a better guy. And he's also a proven coach who, who won a Super Bowl with the, you know, with the top overall pick and Carson Wentz, who got injured. Then they went to Nick Foles. But you know, he did it with um, a great offensive line, not a lot of stars at these skill positions, and obviously a very good defense. Also, you know, a, a courageous coach, a, a guy who went for it on fourth down and, you know, the, the plays that he made to knock off the Patriots. Uh, two weeks prior to that, Jacksonville tried to sit on a lead in Foxborough, and, you know, it was absolutely demoralizing to see what, Nate Hackett as the offensive coordinator did, and with Doug Marone as the head coach did, they had an opportunity to win that game and go to a Super Bowl. And Doug Peterson, two weeks later, did the exact opposite thing. So, Rick, talking about the offense, last year, Jacksonville, dead last, 14.9 points per game. Fifth lowest with the 51.3 red zone percentage. And dead last in drive averages in which 26.4% of their offensive drives ended with a score. Uh, will, will he be able to turn that around and, and have a, an effective impact? Not just an improvement, because those are some pretty shoddy numbers. Can he have that impact immediately? Well, you know, it's going to be interesting. How much can you improve? Uh, you pointed it out, under 15 points a game. Can they improve? three a game, six a game, seven a game. If so, they win that many more contests. I, I think you got a great room. you got four former quarterbacks. Doug Peterson is still going to call plays. you got Jim Bob Cooter. You've got uh, Press Taylor, and you've got a former head coach of Mike McCoy. So you have four former quarterbacks who are working in unison in the room with tra- Trevor Lawrence. Lawrence has to do a better job of getting rid of the football earlier. Um, I thought he held on to it too late in the second preseason game which was played here on Friday night. Uh, He missed Zay Jones, who, by the way, is having a fantastic camp here in Jacksonville, but threw one over his head, waited too late on another ball to Laquan Treadwell, waited too late on one ball to Chris Manhurts. So I I, I do believe that that will come, and it's, it's a much better scheme. But you guys know as well as any, it all comes down to being able to run the football. If they can run it, then that's going to keep defenses alert. Last year it was basically just pin the ears back and get after the rookie quarterback because Jackson only averaged 2.8 points in the first quarter and 7.6 points in the first half. So think about that. You're coming up to begin the third quarter every game, and you've got a 7 on the scoreboard. So it made Jacksonville so predictable offensively. If they can run the ball, and Travis Etienne has been – yeah, just absolutely spectacular so far in camp. They're still waiting for the full bill of health 
for James Robinson. It was encouraging last night that he got his first opportunity to actually do some team drills with no contact. And they got a, a, a draft pick here who uh, is more than just a goal line guy. And I kind of thought that was the case when he played at Mississippi, but Snoop Connor has had a real good camp as well. So if they're able to run the football, then I think passing it downfield is really going to be something that will happen for the Jaguars. So you brought up the rushing. It's interesting because last year they averaged, the Jaguars averaged 103.2 yards per game, ranking 22nd, but their yards per attempt was a top 10, 4.5. It's almost as if they have these runs, but they're not doing it enough. 392 attempts. So as you mentioned, running the ball, will is that going to change? Do they... You, you know, you said to have success, you got to run the ball. They have to increase their attempts. Well, there's no doubt. I mean, the only successful year around here was 2017. It's an amazing statistic. The Jaguars passed it 527 times and ran it 527 times. You pointed out the rushing attempts last year it was way over 600 as far as passing attempts. You can't win in this league if you do that. So they want to be able to run it. Doug Peterson, I know believes that this football team can run it. And, you know, Blake Bortles, too, excuse me, uh, Blake Bortles, obviously the quarterback in 2017, uh, a couple of things that really need to improve for Trevor Lawrence, If you know, we've talked a lot of numbers here. His average per was six. I mean, that was absolutely awful. It was 32nd in the NFL. And uh, as well for Trevor Lawrence last year, uh, you know, he, he, he really struggled as far as consistency. His completion percentage was under 60%. So I think this offense, the way that it's designed, uh, particularly with Evan Ingram, a new addition as a tight end, Travis Etienne, who he's got that relationship with at Clemson, catching the ball out of the backfield, and just an overall better offensive scheme. I think you'll see the percentages move up, the average per attempt move up based on Doug Peterson and this new offensive scheme. Doing another uh, Raiders opponent preview. We're getting ready for the uh, Jaguars game, which is in the first week of November. Raiders will be on the road in Jacksonville. And Rick Ballou, uh, Jacksonville radio star, is joining us here on this Tuesday at Cofield and Company. Did the Jaguars get the top defensive end in the draft? You know, there were a lot of folks who thought it was Aiden Hutchinson. There's really no question. Uh, there was some conversation here that maybe Trent Bulky fell in love with the measurables uh, with Trayvon Walker. That, you know, is he a Mike Mamula uh, type uh, going back a couple decades ago where he just blew you away with the combine? It's interesting because there's a ton of Georgia fans here in, uh, in North Florida. And, you know, we bleed into South Georgia. And there's people that will tell you that Trayvon Walker was the fifth best team on the national champion Georgia Bulldogs team a year ago. He, he doesn't make a lot of highlight plays, but in the preseason games that we have seen, he, I tell you what, he, he, he's got burst off the ball, and that was reportedly an issue because he's only got nine career sacks. But it feels like teams just run away from him. I don't know if you guys saw it on uh, – on Friday night, but he came down the line of scrimmage and, and got there with Rayshon Jenkins and cost a, uh, you know, forced a fumble. And Jackson only had two fumble recoveries last year in 17 games. So he's a, he's a really good kid. Um, there doesn't appear to be an ego. He, he's a, he's a smart learner. I, I would have loved to have seen him be on the edge, you know, as a, as either, you know, a stand up 
three, four defensive lineman or a guy would put his hand in the ground. He's, he's not doing that. He's been working consistently with outside linebacker coach Bill Shuey in a three, four scheme. Obviously they're going to move him up to the scrimmage when they go to nickel, but that's a question right now. I just, I don't have an answer for, I, I wouldn't have gone in that direction. I would have addressed the offensive line. In my opinion, you have a finally here, you have a, a franchise quarterback and I would have done everything in my power to get the best offensive line that you can. And I don't think you can fix everything at, at one time. I, I would have tried to fix the offense first and then try to fix the defense down the road. But, you know, they didn't, they didn't call me. They, they went out and did what they wanted to do. I hope it works for Walker. I do. He's a very likable guy. And, again, he's off to a pretty good start. Jack's win total is 6.5 over under. Uh, boy, you know, I did it right after OTAs and, uh, and mandatory minicamp. I had them at six and 11, you know, it's a good number. It is, it's a six or seven win team. Um, you know, it, I, I'm going to come just under, I, I'm going to stay at six and 11. I, I just think it's too much when you look at 12 points you know, separates what they scored and what they allowed. They allowed 26-9. They scored 14-9. How are you going to make up 12 points a Sunday? That is an enormous amount in the NFL. So I think they'll be a lot more competitive of a football team. But if I had to make a bet there, I'd say 6-11. and 11. Rick Ballou is excellent on college football as well. Worked around uh, Florida State for a long time. I saw your tweet about the top 25. You're like, hey, where are the blue bloods? Florida State, Florida, LSU, Penn State, <laughs> Texas, Nebraska, Auburn. Miami's in the top 25. Is Miami definitely the best college football team in Florida this year? You know, I, I don't know if that's the case because Florida still has got some talent. Uh, but, you know, it was about a month ago I was in Charlotte for the ACC kickoff meetings. And uh, I got to sit down with, with Mario Cristobal for quite some time. He, he, he was the other tackle um, on the opposite side of uh, one of my colleagues here at, at 1010, uh, Leon Searcy at the U. And, you know, we went to school at the same time. Florida State lost three national titles to Miami in a period of five years on a, a blown two-point conversion back before there was overtime and uh, a couple of wide rights. Uh, Miami, it, it feels like they've got the swagger that's back, and they have a first-round quarterback. So I, I, I think they're dangerous. But Florida, to me, is is also a little scary. Uh, it seems like everyone is dismissing them right now. I wouldn't be surprised if the Gators come out and have a better season than what most people predict. For Florida State, they better win seven games, seven or eight games. If not, I think that's the end of the road for Mike Norvell. Oh, boy. Rick, great spot. We appreciate it. Follow your work. Anytime, Thanks a lot, gentlemen. man. Thanks a lot. Take care. Thanks. There he is, Rick Ballou, 1010XL. Longtime radio dude down there. Did national radio on uh, Sporting News Radio. And it just shows you how nothing is set in stone in college football forever. And that's what I keep telling people who right now are like, oh, Alabama, they're going to win forever. There's going to be a day where Nick Saban is gone and they may not hire the right Next guy. Look at look at all these programs we just talked about. Miami and Florida and Florida State just scuffling to try to find the right guy. I think Miami did. I think Crystal Ball is going to kick ass there. Yeah, me too. Florida State, I don't know. I thought it was a good hire. And now Florida hit the reset button again. So can you imagine the, those schools 
can't all be top 15 with all the friggin' talent in Florida in high schools? It's amazing, isn't it? It it, uh, it is because you know in the big in the big uh, states, Florida and Texas. You, but it goes back to kids want to leave; they want to go do their own thing. 